Episode 88, dear. Mm -hmm. Deadly Assassin. <laughs> when we hit episode 88, you're going to see some serious shit. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, this, is, this is the episode where... Uh, a lot, a lot happens both in the in the in the universe of Doctor Who and also externally. A lot happens. Was was that your joke? Yeah, that was that was my clever joke. Okay. Did you like my clever joke? <laughs> Thank you. Mm -hmm. What happens in the Deadly Assassin? Do you? Uh, well, we start with a. <laughs> I forgot about it already. A Star Wars intro where text is scrolling up the screen and going around and getting smaller mm -hmm. at the I time. I feel like we mm. should. It should be stated that uh, it was this before. is the year before Star Wars. Yep. Even though, you know, Star Wars' narration was a callback to adventure serials, but this one isn't a callback to adventure serials. So pure. Mm -hmm. Pure narration to explain some lore because they, they, they clunkily explain a lot of stuff. <laughs> in Clunky, you say? I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, there's a long crisis with Time Lords now that is going to be the most dangerous ever. That's all you get to know about it, including Mood. the Pentoptichinian and the Doctor having a seizure, watching the Space Pope get assassinated. I'm not kidding. Um, I assume on Gallifrey the Doctor's. Uh, I assume that we are on Gallifrey and the Doctor's TARDIS swooshes in and some guards meet him there. They call his TARDIS shitty and say we need to arrest whoever's inside. And it's Presidential Resignation Day, which is uh, something. Um, it's the day the president does the resignation day. <laughs> yeah. Also, the Doctor's considered a criminal, so let's arm the Stazers. They're lasers that make you stay. Zer. I mean, that's not why they're called stasers, but yes, they're <laughs> you can do the fucking joke of... They're, they're lasers, but they're stasers. Mm -hmm. so I do like the design of the staser. The design of them is really nice. They're, like, kind of crystalline, sort of, and, like, rectangular. They're really pretty cute, pretty unique designs. Mm. So the doctor writes a note, then pulls out a hookah... And then the guards unlock the TARDIS while the doctor is vibing out smoking. Actually, it was a dummy, teehee, and he gets away, teehee. But when captured by a single guard, that same guard is attacked by another person off screen and killed, teehee. And then the Magneto crew is talking about how the doctor was on Earth for a bit. They, at one point, I just start all calling them the Magnetos, just of different colors. So bear with me. Yeah, the Castellan um, and the Coordinator. Yeah. Something, something, criminal got away, don't do it again. Also, he got the doctor's letter about the assassination. Doctor makes his way back to the TARDIS and we see someone go, mm, yes, in the shadows. Then the Magneto guard crew goes to the Red Magneto crew and goes, the doctor's a problem. And Red Magneto decides to go to see the TARDIS and the doctor is inside watching the local news. Who will replace his super powerful what's-his-face? Also, one of the orange Magnetos is a cunt. We also decide to move the TARDIS elsewhere so that it can't cause trouble. Okay. The doctor is now in a museum. He sees a yellow Magneto outfit and he's like, no, I'll, I'll wear it. Gold Skeletor 
nearby is excited about his plans are going to as according to plan, as well as killing the doctor quickly. The guards can't find the doctor and go into the TARDIS. But they only find his clothes at the museum. Some gold Magneto boys are talking about how things have changed in the past billion years, and one of the TV producers gets attacked by the assassin. As well as the Magneto bros and Brown mentioned that the archive was recently used, and if it was recently used, there should be record of who used it. We see the doctor in an orange outfit and the assassin laughing about it to himself. The guards are here to check on everything, and the doctor fakes knowing the newscaster then realizes that the camera technician is the one with the gun. So he runs up there, and he's like, get away, he's going to kill him. And then the doctor is up there, and there's only a gun. So where's the ass boy? Uh, but then we see the doctor taking the fucking shot, apparently. So, there you go. Take the shot. He took the shot. Take the shot. Yep. Take the shot. Yep. So, this episode, there's a lot, a lot to talk about. Uh, we'll, we'll focus it in sections. I'll talk about the design of everything now. Um, so, this episode had two principal, uh, essentially, set and costume designers on it. Uh, because the first one had to quit halfway through because the limitations of uh, budget just absolutely got to them. And they just were like, I, I can't fucking put this vision that I have to reality with the budget that I'm being given. Can you fucking please? Um, so it's frustrating to say the least. Um, it's also beforehand. It, this is the first episode with the, where the doctor doesn't have a companion and technically the only episode in the entire classical series where the Doctor doesn't have a companion. Um, uh, it's unique in that fact, and Tom Baker was kind of pushing for it to become the regular of the series, uh, because he, was, he, he had the impression that the Doctor was a well-established character now, he didn't need a companion to sort of, uh, you know, fill out his character, and it's like, that's not really the point of the companion, but... Um, uh, Robert Holmes and um, Philip Hinchcliffe basically went, look, okay, if you want to do this, um, then, you know, what we'll do is uh, we'll have one episode like this, and uh, Philip Hinchcliffe was like, I want to make a nightmare as an episode. <laughs> uh, which, you know, he kind of does. Um, a lot... This is a very violent episode, which I'll get into more after part three, because there's something specific to talk about there. Um, but there's a lot of, like, kind of raw violence in this. Um, but other things include, uh, at one point, uh, Castellan Spandrel, who's the one that Deera's called the Master Squad. Uh, mm. Not the Master Squad, the, the Magneto, Magneto Squad, sorry. Um they he's reading aloud a disturbing letter that the doctor has written for him where he's like, Hey, uh the the president's gonna be murdered, you should do something about it. Uh and he's looking really kind of disturbed on set while he's talking about it and reading mm -hmm. it. Uh, that's actually because in rehearsals he was reading an English note and didn't bother to learn the lines because he would just read it. So when it came time to actually shoot the scene, the director and set designer switched the note for the Gallifreyan uh markings without telling the actor. So mm. when he opens it, he goes, like, visibly pale and starts sweating, and it's like he's stumbling as he's reading it, and it's like, I mean, that that's a good shocked reaction, I guess. 
I, I suppose. <laughs> It's kind of a shit. It's kind of a shitty thing it. to do. Yeah, yeah, it is. I'd, I'd, I'd say so. Um, so James Aikson or Atchison, unfortunately, I'm terrible with names from the UK region. Uh, primary costume designer in the series resigned halfway through the story as the limits of what he could do that was affordable and also unlike anything else he'd done before were driving him nuts. Uh, this man uh, went on to get an Oscar for Spider Man, actually. <laughs> so it's like. He kept his composure. Mm. Um, but yes, they, 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 they absolutely wanted a wholly unique and uniform uh, design of Gallifrey and the Time Lords. Because before it's like, you know, the war games, we saw a small glimpse of them and there's like, the costumes are basically just church outfits and like, it's there's fog and like the rooms are, kind of nothing um during the third doctor's reign during like the three doctors we saw a little bit of the time lords but it wasn't really like a fully formed idea it was more just like hey we need to design a set and some costumes for these people as like there were some weird ideas like their notes that they carried around were all on like circle paper and like the computers looked very 70s mm. um but th this one they were like okay we need a essentially a design bible for the Time Lords. Uh, and it's so striking with the shit that they come up with that it stays until the new season, basically. Uh, special moments like um, uh, the, the, the collar things that they have, the giant headrest collar things that they have, that, that stays in the design uh, until right now, at time of recording. Uh, other things include the design structure of the Time Lords, uh, the fact that uh, there is that, that a Gallifreyan and Time Lord are technically not the same thing. Um, Time Lord refers to a Gallifreyan who has gone to uh, the Academy, essentially, and become a, a, a person of stature and is a, a member of society in a higher standing. And there's even a lot of, a lot of like mentions of how... Uh, kind of shitty the Time Lords are, even to other Gallifreyans. Like, they're very pompous and high and mighty, and I'm very glad that that's established here because it's a main through with everything to do with Gallifrey and Time Lords in general. Um, they're very pompous, and they're very up themselves. Uh, and that's always proven as a point of, like, yeah, they're kind of shitty. <laughs> like, they're kind of a necessary evil. Uh, but they are pretty shitty. Um, but, yes, this there's a lot to do. Also, introduction of other things like uh, Rassilon and the idea of the Eye of Harmony and everything, even though it's slightly different to what they... They change it very slightly here and there. There's a lot of retcons with this, like, but they stick to a general theme throughout it all. But things like... Um, like we mentioned back when we watched the Revenge of the Cybermen, uh, remember I told you the symbol that they had there, the, the weird eight figure eight sort of symbol, that is brought back here and is used as a striking image as the symbol of Gallifrey and is, is the, 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 the signet, uh, the sign of Rassilon, uh, essentially. Um, the seal of Rassilon, sorry. But that's something that, very striking, and uh, everything looks very cheap here. You can, the budget definitely shows in a lot of it, but the mm. 
the ideas that they had, it's very clear that they had a lot of ideas and thought a lot of this out. Um, but yes, assassination plot. The, the, the doctors just killed the, the high president of Gallifrey. Uh, what happens next to you? Uh, the doctor's like, oops, I caused a space murder. And everyone around is like, oh my god. Uh, they think he's the, the pr- 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 prince of Egypt. Pridonian. Still, and he takes that information and, and take him off to get information for the trial. The doctor is now in jail, being forced to confess under torture. Uh, so wait, why would the doctor assassinate someone? We don't know, but you have like three hours to live to find out. Then the doctor tries to state that he was trying to save the president because uh, Magneto, Brown Magneto, got his note. And Brown Magneto thinks he's being framed and we need to find more information. Also, apparently <laughs> only certain people can look at records if they have power in the High Council. So whoever did was on the High Council. Meanwhile, there's another fight going on and Orange is like, I'm going to be president. Uh, and the doctor's now taking notes. Well, I thought he was taking notes. He was drawing uh, during his trial. Then... Everyone's talking about what's been going on, and the one dude goes, the doctor said, they, uh, let me go, they'll kill him. But he was like, wait, no, my hearing. I, it totally said, let me go, I'll kill him, right? <laughs> and then the doctor's like, you got any last words? And he's like, yeah, I'm going to be president, because fuck you. Uh, and now because of a thing in our law, your laws, uh, I'm pr- uh, until we have a president picked you out to protect me, because fuck you. Now we only have 48 hours to figure out stuff while that weird shadow talks to a cloaked figure and also only hate keeps gold mask alive. Apparently he also has tendons all over his hands. The doctor asks Brown Magneto to hit something across the room with a gun, but apparently the sights are totally off. So there's no way he could have shot the Pope. They need to find that camera that he was standing next to that had a log of whatever happened, right? It would see it. Orange Magneto is upset that the doctor can run for president, and only he and the doctor are pre- uh, the candidates, apparently. And one of the ca- camera technicians supposedly booked it out of fear. And so the news dude is sent to go get the tape from the camera, while Cape Dude looks on them from above. Far, <gasps> far above. Then they look for where the bullet hole would be from the gun. And then while news guy is upstairs, looks into the telescope and he screams and faints and Cape Dude steals the tape from the telescope that's obviously a telescope and runs away. His technician was shrunk, killed, and put into the camera, basically as a doll-sized person. We're bringing up the master again, by the way, and this dead guy is a greeting card (gasps) for him to be- I don't care. The information goes to the- I'll explain it. But we see the news anchor come in and he's fucking stabbed now. So that's bad. The extracts couldn't have been withdrawn without someone logging in. The doctor's like, lol. (laughs) And then the archives are apparently just brain cells of every single Time Lord before they die. Used to monitor every life in the capital. And the doctor's like, of course you didn't see it because I saw it with my brain. Uh, So if we go there we can figure out how it got all fucked up in my brain and i saw this thing happen but i might die if doing it but i'm gonna die either way so let's go time to land in a quarry again and then there's 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 some laughter in the distance a crocodile we almost fall off a cliff there's a samurai that shows up the doctor is basically dead but he's actually okay 
because in brain world, he's in surgery. It might be the master telling him he's an idiot. Then we run away faster. Then we cut to World War One-ish, and there's some people on trains that are going to run over the doctor, and the next part of the episode is so fucking boring. Keep Go ahead, Gam. Yeah, the next <laughs> episode three, I have a lot of criticisms of it. I just... Frustrating. But we'll get to it. So, the master! Oh my god, the master's back. Uh, so this master, so Robert Holmes, who wrote this, who was also the script editor, which, if any of you are really paying attention to the podcast, you may have just thought for a second, wait a minute, the script editor is writing this? Wasn't that a (laughs) no-no? Wasn't that a no-no? Like, the script editor couldn't just hire themselves to write it? Uh, fun fact... (laughs) Uh, yes, uh, that became so much of a problem that I believe uh, Robert Holmes actually got audited for it, uh, because they were like, hey, you have technically double in- incomes right now because of the amount of times you've technically like written stories, so we need to check that everything's actually in order with you. Um, so yes, he he technically shouldn't have been doing it, but you know, at, they, at the end everything was above board, so... I mean, thank God. But, um, yes, the master's back. Uh, Robert Holmes wanted this to be a transitional master, in a sense. Uh, obviously they couldn't bring Roger DeGaldo back, because unfortunately he was dead. Uh, passed away, uh, during that horrible, horrible accident. Um, but he wanted this to be more of a... Uh, transitional role and make the master less charismatic than he previously was and wanted to make him more desperate and violent uh sort of a he's at the end of his tether and he's been cornered sort of thing um so real quick let's just explain where this all comes from um So, think of the time, 1976. What had just happened around about that time? Moon landing. Uh, that was 1969. Nice. Sun landing. Uh, uh, well, that's 2000 and, uh, 2526. Mm. <laughs> just kidding, that's never gonna happen. Um. Joke's uh, so on you. Te- what? <laughs> so... Do you remember a little scandal called, um, uh, Watergate, do you? Oh, yeah. Roughly 72 to 74 of Nixon administration. Um, mm-hmm. so here, I'll just read this basically word for word, because this analysis is beautiful, honestly. Uh, we were in an era when heroes were shown to have feet of clay. America had lost faith in its political system after Nixon, Agnew, Ford, and the Warren Commission. Jimmy Carter was honest and intelligent, but he wasn't getting anywhere either. In Britain, there was a generation bored rigid with World War II, finding out that the sanitized version from 1950s movies was a lie. Field Marshal Montgomery's posthumous outing was the final straw for many. Yet, as a secular age learned to reevaluate the symbols of faith and power as historical phenomena, uh, sort of re-examining the coronation ceremony in the run-up to the Queen's Silver Jubilee, for example, uh, it became increasingly apparent that a lot of seamless, seemingly pointless rituals were once intensely potent. Uh, four of the six stories in this season evolve around uh, advanced science underlying 
apparently supernatural phenomena. This isn't just von Duncanism, but a rethinking of history. Here, history isn't a linear progression with us as its happy ending, but a sequence of people with radically strange and under the circumstances rational systems of thought. An entire way of thinking was now seen as self-deception, from wartime myth-making to religion, from the idea of art history being a series of codes, to the idea of cowboys being good and engines being savages. That's in mm. quotes, obviously. It's, it's meaning it as like, hey, yeah, pretty shitty how like we thought of things like this. Uh, now Doctor Who has its central character not only criticizing every form of authority he encounters, but also his own past. The most obvious thing to say, even more so than the Kennedy material, is that this is the Doctor Who version of the Manchurian Candidate. <laughs> the details of Gallifrey society are point-for-point -point matches for the film's version <laughs> of American politics. <laughs> Rassilon is invoked in much the same way as Abraham Lincoln. The entire dream battle, which is oh. the entirety of episode 3, uh, you just got fucking whiplash because it's like funny to say, but also it is true. Um... Uh, the details of Gallifrey society are point-for-point -point matches for the film version, blah blah blah. The entire dream battle, whilst having a passing resemblance to Ben Bova's briefly popular children's book, The Dueling Machine, suggests the same nightmare as Clue's Cold War hysteria as Frank Sinatra's flashbacks from being brainwashed in the Korean War. The use of the camera rig as a vantage point for the assassination at a political rally is also plundered. TV's role in politics is a strong thread in the film. We could go on, but what's interesting in Robert Holmes' spin on this? As a former journalist, he's gleefully sending up the pointless rituals of the state opening of Parliament, all those hallowed medieval rites that date back to at least the 1800s, and the vacuity of TV coverage. Uh, like, I always think about the... What is it? Lord Blackrod is the thing in, in the House of Lords, where, like... Every year or every opening of Parliament in the UK, like mm -hmm. someone from the House of Lords takes a rod down to the Parliament and he knocks on the door. They say, yeah. go away. He knocks on the door again. They open it. He goes to walk in and they shut the door on him. And it's like yeah. purely just a ceremony thing to like denote something that happened in history to denote Parliament is separate from the Queen and from the House of Lords. It's like, mm -hmm. why the fuck do you spend so much money doing this? Like, it makes no point to do. Um, yep. But yes, the, the, this is a society whose government is run by the dead. Yet whenever he was asked about this, Holmes said that the Manchurian candidate aside, his starting point was the tendency of the older British universities to act as if nothing had ever changed. Colleges of cardinals and chancellors, not unlike, say, St. Andrew's University in Edinburgh. Uh, Tom Baker had recently been asked to become a chancellor there. <laughs> It's one of the conventions of the Hollywood version of psychiatry that the hero re-enters a nightmare to unlock the, often ham-fisted, symbolism and achieve a breakthrough. Examples are almost too numerous to mention, but we'll take Hitchcock's Spellbound as, a <laughs> as actually a good film to use, and The Dreams designed by Salvador Dali, who was a piece of shit. Uh, the Manchurian Candidate, The Dreams are suppressed memories of the brainwashing. The same logic applies to the projections that the Doctor receives in episode one. Uh, the APC-induced duel, which is... The APC is basically... They stop calling it the APC in future, they just call it the Matrix, which makes it very hard when you start thinking about, you know, the, the Matrix. 1990s Matrix. Yes, because they are similar, but also not. <laughs> um, 
To put it bluntly, in Doctor Who, the Matrix is a repository for all Time Lord wisdom. It's where, essentially, when a Time Lord dies, all their knowledge, all their essence goes into the Matrix and gets uploaded. That's what it is. It's, it's a big database. A big, powerful database. A uh, lot happens with it. Don't worry about that. Uh, but, yes, that's where this comes from. It, it's very violent, very provocative, very political. Um with a lot going on. So, what happens in episode 3, dear? Uh, try How and- much Here's a challenge. Actually... Use- <laughs> Um, I mean, you don't have to explain much, just kind of do a little bit more each time. Like, just a, a few- at least a few sentences. Like, don't just say he runs around and gets killed. Like, explain, like, the main bits of, like, oh, well, this happens and then he realizes okay, this- Okay, okay, like, okay, just- okay, listen. It's literally the most dangerous game. It, it literally yes. is just the most dangerous game. Uh, he's literally being chased around by a man with a gun. He sees some crazy shit. It's really crazy. He skins his knee at one point. Then he's like, I deny your reality. And it is, it's gone. And then he, he also, the and he also stares at a spider on the end of a fishing pole that you can hear <laughs> for a while. Yeah, you can hear the fishing pole. It's hilarious. Yeah. I, I think it's like actually, I think it's actually part of the music. I don't think it's the actual fishing rod. But I even disagree. if it is the fishing rod, it's like, I, I it might actually just be the fishing rod. It's so weird, but like, okay, you think like, okay, so a spider, so like, oh, the spider jumps on him and he gets distracted and then, oh man, nope. he's, he's being shot. It's like, no, it, the spider has fucking nothing to, like, why was the spider there? Yeah. <laughs> There's no reason. Uh, so at one point we poison the water hole and hide in some bamboo. And then the doctor's like, oh, the water hole's poisoned. So I'm going to drink from this puddle over here instead. And then we make his straw into a blow dart by using cactus needles and some of that residual poison. But the hunter has an antidote. So that's fucking convenient. And he still has, he has a gun. Everything. Yeah. He still has a gun, so he just shoots the fucking doctor. So there's that. Then they have a fight in some water <laughs> where he nearly... Or he's drowning the doctor. So, there you go. That... There... Yeah. I have, like, actual multiple sentences of it. It's not interesting. And it's not important. <laughs> no. Basically, all you need to know in this is that... Uh, the, ma the master's puppet has entered the Matrix and is hunting the Doctor now. And then halfway through, the Doctor's like, you show me who you are and then I'll show myself. And pulls off the mask and oh my god, it's Goth. It, it was Goth all along. Um, whoa! Uh, and then the fight ensues and the Doctor gets drowned, which we'll talk about in a second. Uh, but first, there are a few other things I want to say. Um... First of all, something that I learned, a spandrel, uh, the Castellane spandrel, uh, named after a spandrel, which as we know is, is either part of a clock or the architectural feature of gothic arches in churches, and runcible is a type of spoon. Just, there you go. Um, <laughs> so characters are named after random things like that. Uh, also, the moment when the samurai severs the Doctor's scarf was meant to be the literal cliffhanger in episode two. But the episode underran, so they couldn't do that. Mm. Um, they had to change it a bit. Uh, but this this whole episode had to be 
edited quite a bit. Um, so, a certain person who got a little bit up in arms about this was a lady by the name of Mary Whitehouse. Uh, the, le- the, the president, I believe, of the National Viewers and Listeners Association. Uh, the organization that campaigned to remove any hint of sex, violence, blasphemy, or general realism from British television. <laughs> general realism? Amazing. That was some artistic license in that sentence. Uh, and were often portrayed in the media as, quote, serious pressure groups, uh, even though its membership was less than a quarter of the size of the Doctor Who Appreciation Society. Uh... White House led a, a, a full-on fatwa against the program, and specifically this story. She uh, especially derided the end of episode 3, as she felt children might not understand that a freeze frame isn't real. She pronounced, with little or no research to back that up, that young viewers thought that the Doctor's lead, uh, the Doctor's head would be underwater for a whole week, presuming that the same children thought that Elizabeth Sladen hovered above the Thal missile uh, silo uh, or- for a week. Yeah, I know. It gets uh, worse. Uh, bafflingly, the BBC agreed, and the cliffhanger was savagely edited for subsequent reruns and the video release. The version, version as it was broadcast is no longer existing because they edited the master tape for it, so you can never see it the way it was actually broadcast anymore. Um, a little bit more on this. <laughs> so, uh... The the cliffhanger in part three is kind of especially bad, not because, you know, children will think the Doctor's drowning, but as we've discussed prior in, like, the android invasion, Tom Baker had aquaphobia. He actually was kind of terrified of water, and so they, like, they had to drown him for the cliffhanger. It's like, that's that's a really terrifying thing to put an actor through. Yeah. Um, which is really shitty, in my opinion, but... Sure, whatever. Yeah, you'd be um, fired for that these days. Funny you say that! Because, um, as I said earlier, Philip Hinchcliffe had been keen to try a whole episode as a nightmare, to see how badly beaten up the Doctor could get and how much the audience would accept. In order to write a the experimental script for it, Holmes needed a dispensation from the Writers Guild. He needed basically an extra pay, which is where the whole audit came in. Uh... So, this episode kind of particularly uh, was part of the reason why Philip Hinchcliffe does not return to the series. Um, He... (sighs) Essentially, like, people had been complaining that Doctor Who had gotten so violent. um, So incredibly violent that that it was, like, not for children anymore. And children shouldn't be watching this. Um, like, for instance, Mary Whitehouse, she not only brought up, uh, this episode, but she also had a thing to say about Genesis of the Daleks. She complained that the Carlids were too Nazi-like, um, which, uh, yes, they are, but that's not a bad thing. Oh. <laughs> um, uh... Like, she very much was, like, quite literally, uh, she campaigned for... Values of morality and decency derived from her Christian beliefs. She is literally that person. Um, uh, okay. Uh, yeah, so Philip Hinchcliffe uh, was not brought back. Um, 
there's a few other reasons why, um, like, <laughs> for, <laughs> basically, uh, he, he just got so fucking violent with the show, he wanted, he wanted to just make it more violent, essentially, and everyone in, everyone in the show was like, yeah, let's do this, and then the BBC were like, hey, we're getting a few complaints, maybe we shouldn't do this, um, and he was like, oh, I don't know. Let's. You're ruffling a few feathers here, Philip. And he was like, but yeah, fuck it, I can do what I want. Um, but at the same time, as uh, an enthusiastic writer producer called Graham Williams was proposing uh, a BBC's answer to a popular show on another uh, rival channel at the time. Uh, at the same time, Philip Hinchcliffe was also ruffling feathers in the the drama department. Uh, not the least because of Mrs. Whitehouse's activities. Uh, the BBC bigwigs had a plan to essentially replace him with this other person. Um, he... Yeah, the, the violence in this is very, like, especially when you consider, like, early, early, not even earlier, just, like, a few years before... Doctor Who, it's like, this has gunshot wounds, this has blood, like, actual blood. Mm. Um, this has, like, welts caused by poison, this has a drowning shown on screen. It's like, this is really violent. Um, really incredibly violent. Uh, but, you know, it is a different era of Doctor Who, and that's the, the sort of glory of Doctor Who, is that if you don't like it, it'll change in a few years. Um, but yes, uh, common working titles, by the way, uh, was The Dangerous Assassin. Assassin. Uh, arguably, The Deadly Assassin has the least convincing Doctor Who title of them all, because most assassins are deadly, unless they shoot the target's dog by mistake or something. Which, I mean, the Green Death. Uh, but, yes, this this is kind of when Philip Hinchcliffe was out of favor a tad um but yeah what happens in the final uh, part do um well sorry i was so taken away taken out of it from you know just very boring chase scenes uh uh give me a second uh okay so he's dead wait no he's not he's okay and orange dude Goss is struggling, and then they pull him out of the computer, and Skull goes, okay, let's just trap him in the Matrix, which is also going to kill you, sorry. And he's like, no, wait. And then the two brown Magneto dudes are like, the circuits are fucking up, what do we do? It'll kill him. And thousands of brains are going to die. But he gets out, he's fine. And then Skull pulls out a needle, and the doctor's like, we gotta go track down where they are. So they do. Oh, look, a dead body! And then the doctor also Yay! finds Skullmaster, and he doesn't seem to be alive. Goth talks for a little while about wanting power. And apparently the dude wanted to regenerate again. So that's why he was doing all this and promised Goth they would go to Gallifrey or some shit. I don't know. So they all report all of this to Reg Magneto Boys. And he's like, I'm not going to tell this truth to everybody. Because instead, we're going to make out what's-his-face to be a hero, and the Doctor's going to be forgotten, because we don't want a PR nightmare. So the Doctor is like, alright, I'm going to go falsify a date about the Master and then get the fuck out of there, and they're like, 
cool. Back down in the underground, they find the needle and call in about it. And the doctor, meanwhile, is talking about the master. And he's like, something is off. And then apparently the president isn't important at all. He's just a symbol and holds on to symbols of the things in the, from the before time. And he's like, huh, that's weird. And then we hand off the needle to Brown Magneto and the guard hex off. There's a key that leads to an object that apparently stops things from changing so that What's-His-Face can live forever because he has the robe that basically... Uh, how do I put this? He has the robe that lets him survive... Uh, 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 what was it? Do you remember? This is This is where it's like, don't really think too much about this because, like, the story, like... The universe of Doctor Who basically is like, eh, let's not do this again after this. Um, so supposedly the sash would protect the wearer from like being sucked into a parallel universe, I believe the Doctor exactly says. Like it'll essentially protect and convert the energy of the Eye of Harmony into power that the user can have. Like something like that. Yeah. It's it it's like, eh, don't think about this, blah 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 blah. Um, which every story from here on out that involves the Eye of Harmony and, like, stuff of Rassilon, is, like, don't think about it. <laughs> anyway, so... It's MacGuffin. It's it's quite literally yes. just a MacGuffin. So anyway, the president is, of course, the owner of the key, which is why he wanted to win the presidency. The doctor's also handed the needle, and he figures out the master's not actually dead, and they rush over there, the guard goes to murder the fucking master to make sure, but then he wakes up and attacks the guard. And then the doctor and the brown Magneto show up and find him missing. But then the master comes back and he's like, I've got you at gunpoint. Bring me the sash. Uh, Magneto makes a move and gets fucking killed, by the way. And the doctor's also shot. Actually, they're just stunned. Everyone's fine. Uh, they stare at the doctor like, wait, what's wrong? And the doctor goes, all of the things he wants can revive him. It's not a fucking with you idiots. And then cut away to the key and getting stabbed into the ground, which opens the door. And then there opens a monolith. And then we pull some levers and the world starts to shake and start rock slides. And the doctor makes his way into the room and the master is ready to stop him. But the doctor goes, the sass is damaged. Ha ha. And it distracts him long enough for the doctor to shove him down some stairs. Then the master falls to his death while the doctor reattaches the levers in order to save the universe. Then cut back to Reg Magneto being upset with everything that's happened because this is literally just a PR disaster. Then the doctor just asks, can I leave please? And they go, yeah, sure. And they go back in the TARDIS and shit. And then for a second, we see the master who's still alive. Fuck off into another TARDIS. That's actually a clock. And then it shoots away. And I don't give a fuck. <gasps> the dog, the, the master's back, dear. Uh -huh. He's back. Or not, because he doesn't actually come back. Mm. <laughs> um, uh, so, real quick, um, just a few things. Initially, at the end of part four, they were wanting to do a, a joke sort of title card at the end of it, saying, we thank the High Court of Time Lords and Keeper of the Records for their help and cooperation. Sort of like in the way where you would like be like, we thank this school, or we thank the government of, of, of France for the cooperation in filming. Like, that sort of thing. Where they were like, eh, it would lampoon the production too much, so no, we're not going to do it. Mm. There's actually a kind of a gap between this story and the next story, where the Doctor doesn't have a companion, which in which a lot of a lot of external uh, universe uh, things can be inputted, which they have. Um, but the next episode is coming up, and mm -hmm. it's 
uh, an episode to, to watch. But before I ask about the next episode, I have to ask about the this episode. Mm. What did you think of the this episode, dear? Honestly, I'm like at a two. There's so much that I dislike. Honestly. This one is probably the most, like, raw science fiction lore heavy episode in the entire series. Because, like, they they top load this and, like, front load this with so yeah. much just information about the universe of the Time Lords that it's like, whoa, there is so much to unpack here. And they it, it takes them a long time to unpack a lot of it. Um, mm-hmm. I will say, if you listened to it or watched it and you enjoyed the uh, sort of idea of the Time Lords and society, etc., uh, I highly recommend watching a few more episodes ahead uh, that involve Time Lords and then listening to the Gallifrey audio series, which is it's it's a, a really good political thriller uh, audio series, uh, which I highly recommend. It's a lot, a lot of fun with some great characters um, and it, it completely involving the lore of Gallifrey. Uh Fair warning, you need to have basically watched the majority of, like, Doctor Who that involves Time Lords to get it. Mm. Um, but it's an absolute rort of a time. I love it. And recommend if you like this sort of thing, you'll probably like it too. They also make fun of the fact that Time Lords are pompous fucking assholes too. That's a Shocking. M- major fucking plot point, a lot of it. One of my favorite scenes is there's a, there, there's a, I, I've talked about it before. But there's a scene where uh, Gallifrey is being invaded, and basically all the high high uh, lords of time, all the time lords are in in this one single room, uh, arguing over who is the president right now. <laughs> They're like, "I'm the president." No, I'm the president because of this constitutional little paragraph subsection. They're like, "But actually, I'm not asleep, so I'm the president because of this constant." And then someone just bursts in with a gun. You can hear gunfire in the background, just going like people dying. They're just like, "Has this person stepped down as president yet?" And then everyone's like, "Yes." And they're like, "Okay, good." I nominate myself as president of Gallifrey. <laughs> and then everyone just starts arguing again. It's great. It's Jesus. like a great meta moment about how fucking stupid these people are arguing over something while their people are being invaded and dying and killed. Um, I love it. It's great. Uh, but yes, that's The Deadly Assassin. The first and only episode where the Doctor is alone because after this they were like, no. Um, and the next companion is a fan favorite. A personal favorite of mine, uh, and was created because uh, Philip Hinchcliffe, I believe it was Philip Hinchcliffe, uh, looked at, um, yes, it was Philip Hinchcliffe. Uh, He had a young girl living next door to him who was a fan of the show, and uh, he once asked her which of the characters the girl identified with the most. He was surprised surprised when she answered with the Doctor instead of Sarah Jane. Uh, this made him decide that the next female companion should be more proactive and action-oriented. So, the next companion is not one who just stands around and does nothing. She is proactive and actually does things. And she's a different type of character to what um, they, they, they've kind of done before. They attempted to do it in the 60s, but it didn't really work, so they're trying it again. 
Mm. But next episode, dear, there are two words that you could possibly guess. The blank of blank. Which one do you want to guess? Do you want to guess the noun or I guess they're both nouns. What? Yeah. Which 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 one do you want to guess? Do you want to guess the first one I or the second know. one? I don't know. The second one. Okay. The face of blank. <sighs> Is it that one from recent episodes where the he sings? The face of Bo? No. Okay. That's a, that's a new series thing. Um... I, I will say, think basic Doctor Who titles. Think of, like, the default word that would be there. Evil. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the face of evil. Uh-huh. Very You've original. you into it, I see. Very original. Yes. Yes. I, I don't know why this is called the face of evil. I mean, I know why it is, but, like, you could have thought of a better name. Come on. I mean, the, the working titles are a lot better. Like... Oh, I won't spoil what they are, but basically they didn't go with the working titles because Philip Hinchcliffe was like, we don't want to offend people with religious sensibilities. But yes, The Face of Evil, next episode, 89. New companion? Question mark? <laughs> Spoiler, yes. Mm. <laughs> Anything you want to say or add, dear? No. Okay. See, goodbye. Bye.